mind, and I know COVID is a thing, but if you, if you, if you don't mind, and I hope you don't, um, I'm going to give you about a minute or two to, to switch seats, okay? You can either take your stuff with you or you can just, um, you know, leave it there. Whatever you need for the, next, for the sermon, you can take with you, but switch seats. Um, and you can do the seat next to you if you want, but I'd rather you, like, get a different perspective, okay? So if you're used to looking at me from this way, then look at me from that way or something. We're just trying to mix it up a little bit here. I'll call you back to order when I see everybody kind of settling in. Fine, we can have kiddos in the front. <laughs> old and young. Kiddos old and kiddos young. Okay. I think we're kind of settled in, so that's good. Hello, everybody. Now, whoever's taking attendance, I hope you've got it done because <laughs> I just really messed you up. Is sister so-and-so? Oh, she's not in her seat. She must not be here. Well, okay. No, we're not moving back. No, no, no. Stay right there. Okay, if I could have my first scripture, Proverbs 3. Verses 5 and 6, we're pulling from the message today, just because I'm telling a story, and I think it fits that kind of narrative structure. Trust uh, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Trust God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And then the next verse says, listen For God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Let me read that again from verse 5, if you could flip back. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Okay, we're used to hearing that. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Well, okay. And then the next verse, listen, how are we supposed to? to not do everything on our own. What are we supposed to do? Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. And then the next verse is uh, also from the message, Hebrews 6, verse 17. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. And then the next verse says, God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. When he wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. He can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, his promise is also unchangeable. Now, this morning, I'm going to tell a story. I'm taking a page out of Arash's playbook. It was a normal Sunday morning. No. Um, I, love, I love stories. And Jesus used stories. Um, now, I realize he was Jesus, so he has a little more authority, a lot more authority than I do. But we also can learn from stories. And I encourage you as you go through your life to try to get lessons out of your life because they're there, you know, whether you're 
rooting, whether you're weeding your flower garden and you see weeds that like to pop up just like sin does, or, or you're cooking in your kitchen and you are using yeast or leaven and it does things. You, you can get lessons out of your life, so I encourage that. But I'm going to tell a story today that's true, and it's, for, it's my own, so I can tell it. Throw myself under the bus this morning. But um, So we, um, some of you know, I don't even know what year it was, but Vincent took a gap year, and we wanted to get him some exposure to Spanish. That was part of the plan. And unlike Marcus and Caleb, we couldn't, we, we, it just didn't match up with a missionary to make this happen. Um, so we decided to, to take a trip to a Spanish-speaking country and kind of immerse. Well, this was, you can figure out what year it was, because it was the year, it was the Christmas between the time Trump was elected and when he became president, so whenever, I guess 2016, 2017. Anyway, that didn't matter. But to get, we decided to go to Cuba, because why not? Um, why not? Um, but really, there was, a, there was a kind of a window where Americans could get into Cuba, and it was, but it hadn't changed a whole lot yet. We thought at the time, because of Obama's changes, that maybe it was going to open up um, and, and change. So we wanted to, to see it like it was, and we felt like we had a pretty safe experience. But to get into Cuba, you couldn't just fly at that point from Miami to Cuba. You had to, you, there was no flights. So we had to, to go either to Canada or Mexico. We decided to go to Mexico because it's Spanish-speaking, and that's the point. And while we were there, um, Stephen, my husband, he always talks about me during sermons, right? Well, here we go. I got the mic. <laughs> oh, revenge is sweet. <laughs> no, really, it's more throwing me under the bus than him, but I'm going to talk a little bit about him. Well, he had been to Jamaica as a late teen, early, early 20s young man, and had there gone snorkeling and, and loved it. Tells stories about uh, playing with a puffer fish, which I don't know if that's safe or not, but he did it, and, uh, and swimming with a ray that was on the coral and following it around, which also I don't know if that's a very good idea, but he did it. And he, he tells these stories about how wonderful snorkeling is, and he wants to get back in the water, and we're in Mexico. So he wants to share this great experience with me. you gotta, you got to do this. This is so much fun. So I said, okay. So he wants to share this great experience with me, and it sounded cool. It really did. So we booked an excursion, and Vince was with us, me and Steve and Vince, and and my husband, being the seriously good husband he is, he, he bought us our own snorkel masks. And um, Steve, check your text because there's something going on there. Um, I just popped up. I don't want to think about it. Um, he bought me my, a, a nice snorkel mask because I'm half blind. And so it had correction in it so I could actually see the things, not just a blur. And he, he bought, it had a way to blow out the water if water got in it. And he got a snorkel mask with like a backflow thing. And it was, he was really trying to take care of me, seriously. He did a great job. And on this excursion, they made everybody wear a life jacket, which I was fine with. I, I'm not a great swimmer. I can swim from like one end of the pool to the other. But um, swimming is not really my thing. So I like the life jacket idea. 
we weren't alone. There were people from the boat there. They didn't want to get sued, I'm sure. So they were making sure that we didn't drown. And um, so the bottom line is my husband wasn't trying to kill me and get my life insurance out. And I was agreeable to it. Um, I wanted to try it because it did sound really, really cool. So we get there. They, they connect the boat to this buoy thing. You could put up my, sl- my uh, title slide if you want. I forgot to tell you. The, the title is uh, similar to my husband's radical reliance at the beginning of the year, but this one is Trust the Water. So we get there. On, in this spot, they put the boat attached to this buoy, so it's in the right spot, I guess. I don't know. And we get out of the boat. Well, there's a problem here because I can swim in a pool from one end to the other, but I have this close your ears, Steve, because if, if he hears I have a fear of something, I have to conquer it, you know, that's, so um, I have a fear of water, and I don't like it in my face, I don't mind it really in my ears, and I, I don't mind being in the water, but I just don't like it in my face, <sighs> so, so here we are, and, and I get out of the boat, and i am got the life jacket, floating. Um, but there's a problem because I've always swum in a, have swum, have swam, whatever. And I've always gone swimming in a pool. And in the Caribbean, they have waves, not like wave waves, but like, you know, this kind of waves. And, and it's splashing up and it's getting in my face. And I have a mask on and there's tube that is supposed to help me, but how, I don't know at that point. And I was it was getting in my face, and I was freaking out. And the water, the water was deep. I mean, it wasn't deep, deep, because there was coral down there you could see, but it was deep enough that I couldn't touch the bottom, obviously. And then we have these, the, the picture shows a great example of these fins on my feet. And so anyway, I tried to move my feet. It didn't cooperate. It pulled me a different direction. And so here I am in this moving water with fins on my feet. The water's deep, and this, it's getting in my face, and I freaked out. I mean, it wasn't my brightest moment. <laughs> and Steve's there trying to help, and the boat people were encouraging me to get back on the boat because I was freaking out. And I was determined I was going to do this thing, so I just ignored them. And, and my husband, in an effort to help me, looks in his proverbial bag of tricks and has all this wonderful advice for me. <laughs> clear out your mask. You've got water in your mask. Clear out your mask. Take it off. Well, I'm like, my mask is the only thing keeping face out of my, keeping water out of my face. Take it off and blow in it or smear your spit on it or something. I don't know. And uh, blow out your, your snorkel tube and get, pull your fins underneath you so you're not like this in the water, but you can sit up and talk to me. Well, I couldn't get my feet to do anything. I was just freaking out, <laughs> yelling at my husband, him yelling at me to try to get me to calm down. It was just not my finest hour. But there I was next to the boat. We hadn't gone anywhere yet. <laughs> we were right there. <laughs> So right there next to the boat, I saw something 
familiar. I saw a buoy, and if you could put up the picture of the buoy, it looked kind of like this. Um, I hope they have it up there. I think they do. Anyway, imagine, yeah, this is kind of a buoy. I don't know if it was that big or not, but from this buoy, they had a, a, a rope going from, like, the top of it to the boat, or actually the bottom. It was in the water, and it attached up to the boat. A rope! Yay! I, I can't, I mean, where's the side of the pool? There's no side of the pool that I can hold on to, but there's a rope. So I grabbed it for dear life. I mean, I was holding on to that rope. And, oh, one more thing. I, I didn't, I forgot to tell you. I do have not a severe problem with motion sickness, but I do get motion sick sometimes. And the waves were just doing this, and I'm just getting sicker and sicker. So I'm thinking, if I throw up, I had the snorkel tube in my mouth. I'm afraid to take the snorkel tube out. It was just bad. But I found this rope. So I started holding on to this buoy rope. And it was stable. It was familiar. I could hold on to it. I could trust it. Yay! I could pull myself up and kind of keep the water out of my face. And by the way, the way a snorkel mask and tube works is you're supposed to put your face in the water. That's the point. It doesn't work if you don't put your face in the water. But I didn't want to do that. So I'm holding onto this buoy rope, and it was, it was familiar. It was like the edge of a pool or, you know, a pool noodle or a lifesaver preserver thing. And so I'm holding on. But the way I was holding, if I can explain it, is I was holding the rope like this. But the, the current, or whatever you want to call it, was going this way instead of this. I don't know. Anyway. It was going, it was pulling me like this. So, <laughs> well, if you think about it, I got the snorkel tube in my mouth, and it's going like this. You're supposed to put your head in the water, and then the snorkel tube goes straight up, right? So, but I'm holding onto the buoy, and it's pushing me like this. So now the end of my snorkel tube is in the water. <laughs> and now I'm freaking out again. So... <laughs> I told you it wasn't my. F <laughs> so I'm I'm start freaking out again because now the thing I'm holding on to that should be familiar is taking me under. It's taking me under, and so Steve finally convinces me to let go of the buoy, let go of the rope, and trust the water. Now let me talk for a minute about this water. Now, don't forget, I had a life jacket. I had a snorkel tube. I had a mask. But the thing that I really needed to trust, in the middle of all that, that was all helpful, but the thing I needed to trust was the water. Because I was in the Caribbean, Gulf of Mexico, whatever you want to call it, right off Mexico. And it was warm, a warm salt water, has more salt in it, and it holds you up. If you've ever heard of somebody going to the Dead Sea and they float in it, well, you float in the Caribbean easier than you do in a regular pool. You, you, you like, really float. I couldn't have sunk if I wanted to, okay? Because the water, the physics of the water is that it was holding me up. You know, if you drop a ping-pong ball in a bathtub, it's going to float. Well, I can float 
maybe it says something about my body fat composition, I don't know, but I can float in a pool, and then if it's the Caribbean, I, I surely could float. I couldn't not float, but I'm freaking out because it's different, and my face is in the water, and I'm fearful, and I could sink and drown, I thought, but I really couldn't. I, I uh, learned, how cool is it? Think of a ping pong ball in, in the tub. And I'm concerned about these waves because, you know, they go up and down. And if, if I'm here and the wave is here but it goes up over me, I'm thinking I'm going to be underwater. But water is really cool. You go up with the wave and down with the wave. So you go with it. Then you get motion sick, but that's okay. Um, so I couldn't sink. I couldn't sink. The water had me. It was holding me up. And all I had to do was put my face in the water, paddle my feet and my fins, and trust the water and move. If I got tired, I could just put my face in the water, trust my snorkel tube, and I couldn't be hurt. I, I literally couldn't. This wasn't a place where there was riptides or any of those things. I literally couldn't go under. But I didn't feel like that. I felt like I was out of control because there was nothing to hold on to. All of my normal things that kept me feeling safe and secure were actually taking me under and hurting me. So since this, I am learning, I have not learned, I have not obtained, as I think Paul said, but I'm learning to trust the water. So I am learning, learning to discipline my mind and tell myself about 100 times a second, trust the water, trust the water, trust the water. You're not going to sink. Trust the water. And since then, I've gone snorkeling a few times, a few other times, I've gotten to where I don't, if it's salt water and it's pretty calm, I don't wear a life jacket because I don't need a life jacket. The Caribbean or the salt water tastes awful, but it holds you up. It literally holds you up. And it's an amazing thing. But that doesn't, I still have my mind telling me you're about to die. But I'm learning to have confidence and know how to do what I need to do to let the water work for me and not against me. But it's a process. And sometimes things happen that freak me out. We were, when we were ministering in Australia, we, of course, the Great Barrier Reef is right there. And if you're in Australia, you have to, and, and you snorkel at all. You have to go see the Great Barrier Reef. I mean, it's, like, amazing. So, <laughs> it's great. Um, so, we're, we're off this little island in Australia, outside Australia. Really cool place. Great snorkeling. There's sea turtles there, just naturally, and all of this wonderful stuff. So, we're, but I'm not a great snorkel, and I still kind of freak out. So, we're out there. Steve's working with me, being very generally patient. 
few times not, but <laughs> he has a lot to work with. So, um, so we're swimming, and these people on the shore say, "There's a shark," <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah!" It, what they were trying to say was, "Oh, come look! There's a little shark. You should come see it." <laughs> That's not what I heard. <laughs> I heard, there's a shark. <laughs> so uh, there are things that come up that kind of still freak me out in this adventure of learning to trust the water. And the water can change. Sometimes it's warmer or colder. Sometimes it has more or less waves. Some, if I forget to put on my little motion patch, Motion sickness patch, um, it's a problem because I will get sick. I've learned to do that. Um, so I have to keep learning how to handle different things in the water. But it's still, no matter what, there's physics, there's math, there's chemistry, I guess. It says the water is going to support me. And if I take my mask and put it in the water and I take my snorkel tube and keep it in my mouth. Generally, because we don't go snorkeling in crazy wave places where they're surfing or something, um, I can trust the water, and it will hold me up. So interpretation of the parable. Is it the water that holds you up? The water is the promises of God. The very nature of who God is, is, and that he cannot fail. He can't. If you trust him and do the simple instructions he's told us, we then cannot fail. But we have to trust the water. And the buoy is the things we're used to trusting. And it's different for each of us, but there's things that we hold on to that we think will keep us safe. Um, so we come to God, or God comes to us. Maybe it's we're beginning our walk with him, or maybe we've known him since, uh, since our very birth, or since our mother's womb. Um, but there's always this... God coming to us or us coming to God. And at whatever stage of life or, or walk with God we are in, or from whatever experiences that brought us to the decision to try to follow the way of the Lord, we want to do it. We make the decision, we commit, we say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go snorkeling, and this is going to be really cool. But suddenly... <clears throat> Excuse me. Suddenly everything is different and everything is strange. There's nothing to hold on to. Things are getting in our getting in our face and they're making us sick to our stomach. And we have nothing to hold on to. We're just in this water and sometimes we start freaking out. Give me what I'm used to. Give me what makes me feel secure. Let me hold on to something so that I can 
literally get my feet under me. And we see some buoys, or we see a buoy around. Oh, finally, something to hold on to. Whether it be our family. Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. Um, Whether it be our family or money or our job or a routine or tradition, whether that's religious tradition or just cultural tradition, habits, past experiences, friends, things that we're used to that make us feel warm and cozy. And so we hold on to those things, and we think, these are going to make me secure. But if they're not part of the water, if they're not of God, they will not hold us up, and they will actually start taking us under. Um, They become idols in our life. Side note, um, you may know we've moved this past week from a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, uh, garage, you know, we had a garage, we had a, a garage-sized loft where we helped, we, it wasn't finished, but we could put stuff out there, like a huge attic, into a two-bedroom, two-bath home. And we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. Some of it's in storage. We do have a storage unit. So I haven't gotten rid of everything. We have all our old pictures, and we have all the stuff that's in. We have everything we need. But there's a lot of stuff that we have emotional attachments to. It's crazy. That what we have emotional attachments to in our stuff. Just, I spent money on that. Or someone gave me that. Or um, I, I've had that for 20 years and used it for 20 years. Or maybe I've had that for 20 years and have never used it, but I might, you know. <laughs> and, and there's just this, and it has this surprising emotional attachment with it. It's very weird. Um, cause we travel, Steve and I travel a lot of places and stay in Airbnbs where we don't have hardly any of our stuff. We travel with the carry on and we do fine for a week or two or whatever in somebody else's home. And I don't have my stuff in his phone, but I knew it was there. <laughs> I could go home to it. Well, now I don't have my stuff. And, um, that's kind of weird. It feels different, but we have to trust the water. And the water in this parable is God's direction for us. And God threw the direction for us. So I want, Marjorie, if you could, to put up Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 again. Read this at the bot at the beginning. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. And in that, in that journey, in the, in the water, whatever you want to call it, he has given us everything we need. If we need something, he provides it. And if he doesn't provide it, then we can know we don't need it. When my brother joined the army, they told him, if you need something, we will give it to you. You don't need anything. If you need a girlfriend, we'll, we'll give you one. <laughs> we will give you blankets and computer and whatever you need, we provide it. 
Well, if he, if we need something, he's much better than the U.S. Army. And he, he does give it to us. But that's hard because I want things that I want. I want extra. Extra what? I don't know. But I want extra. I stock up on, you know, shampoo or soap or stupid stuff. I want extra. Food in the refrigerator. I need money. I need extra money. I need the support and approval of my family and friends. Even if they're not good for me, I want them to approve and give me that warm, fuzzy feeling. I need stuff. I need career advancement to make me feel better about myself. I need, as Desi would say, blah, 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 fill in the blank. We all think there's things we need, but God gives us what we need. And we need to learn to listen to him and not the other stuff. And he's the one who will keep us up. He keeps us afloat. And it's strange and it's weird because I'm used to holding on to these, I'm used to holding on to the buoy to keep, to give me something to hang on to but the buoy keeps t- taking me under. Hebrews 6:17 again. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. He has given us promises. Um, I don't have time to speak about the promises of God because there's just too many of them. If you want to hear that sermon or you want to do that, just Google promises of God, scriptures, and you'll get, you know, 50, 11 of them. There's just a lot of them. He promises his health and provision and direction, abundance of every kind. He even promises to make us beautiful in his holiness. Isn't that cool? Um... Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't know if I gave Marjorie this one or not, but I know what I'm doing. Oh, there we go. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. I know what I'm doing, and I have it all planned out. He knows where we are at the buoy, and he knows what, where we need to end up. And along the way, if we'll put our stupid face in the water, (laughs) there's even cool things to see on the way. You know, there's fish down there and stuff. Um, If we stop freaking out. He gives us salvation. He promises those who believed and are baptized will be saved. He promises you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He promises... All of these things, most of all, the bottom line is he promises us eternal life, no matter what happens here. We, we have this, this promise of life eternal. That's our finish line. That's where we're going. We're at the buoy now, and we're trying to get to this finish line. So we need to trust the water and not the buoys because they'll take you under. If the musicians would come. Um, the lesson is, if God has given you a direction, you can trust him. Period. Full stop. The end.
and it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel right, I freak out because I have fears, and it's not what I'm used to. I don't like the water. It has cool stuff in it, but I don't like water. But I need to learn to trust it. It's not what I'm familiar with. What he tells us is not what I was planning on doing. And sometimes we get in the water because he tells us to get in the water. And we don't know where to go. But you know what happens if you have a good snorkel set with a mask and nice water. You can actually just float there. You don't even have to move. And while you're doing it, you can see cool things in the water. So you can wait on God. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, is just to float. And trust the water to keep you up until you have direction. And he always does give us direction at the end. I'm preaching to myself this morning. But if we can just relax in Jesus, just take a deep breath and breathe in and out. We can even listen to ourselves in the snorkel tube and, and just literally concentrate on the water holding us up and doing what we know to do, which is breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And eventually, we'll get more and more comfortable with it. And then more waves will come along and we'll have to get comfortable with them. But you can't sink. Now, I know there are situations in real water where you can sink. I'm, I know that. But barring those, 90, the other 99% of the time, you can trust the water. And in, in my analogy, there is no time when you can't trust the water. It's math. It's physics. It's chemistry. It's science. It will, by definition, hold you up. It can't not hold you up. You have to try to get down into the water. So we can trust the water. God does not lie. He cannot fail. He Say that again. He cannot fail. You have to go against him purposefully to fail. And we all need this year, I know there are some of us, and I do say us, that are looking for direction, that are in the water, swimming away from the buoy, <laughs> because that's what we're supposed to do, even though that's something we can hold on to, but we have to swim away from it. Um, and so I put you all, I asked you all to move to a different place because that's what happens when we follow God. He puts us in different places, things we're not comfortable with. And, and then we're, we're there and we have to know what to do there. Well, when you're there, trust the water. If you don't know what to do, just float. And if you do know what to do, get your fins out behind you. Put your face in the water and just start swimming. And you might go really slow and you might get tired. But if you trust the water, you'll get there. So let's all stand. And we're going to sing this song together. And I would ask you also, because we're doing things differently today, 
If you normally stay in your seat during this time of the service, then get out of your seat. I don't care if you come up here or if you're concerned about six feet distance or whatever. Do something different during this altar service than you normally do. If you normally come up front, then go to the back or sit in your seat or whatever. So I'm going to give you another two minutes to get to a different place. I'm waiting. Go to a different place than you normally do for altar service. If you normally come up front, then you can stay in your seat. That's the only situation is if you normally move out of your seat, you can stay in your seat. But do something different for the altar service. Okay? And we're going to sing this song in the background. You can sing along with us or you can pray. But this song talks about tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Because we need to trust the water. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to Simply taking life and 
just talk to Jesus about what it is he has for us. Maybe it's a time of waiting, of floating, and we just need to relax. Or maybe we have a place to go that we have to put our face in the water and paddle. Let's just pray for just a few minutes and then we'll sing the chorus again and and go home. But I want us to take a little bit of time to ask him what it is he has for us and how we need to trust him. (laughs) 